You were created for more, and this show is meant to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to help you live on purpose. This is the podcast that keeps it real and highlights amazing business owners and impact makers so that you get your fire ignited and take your greatness out into the world. If you've got big dreams and know you were created for more, this is the place to be, and I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the Created For More podcast. Hey, it's Lisa, and I've got a quick question for you. Are you looking to create consistent 10K plus months with the course or membership? I have a feeling you might be. That's why I partnered with Haley Burkhead, CEO of Recurring Profit, to sponsor this episode. Haley created a free training that breaks down her exact automated process for creating consistent 10K months. And as a listener of the Created From Our podcast, she's also giving you exclusive access to her recurring profit roadmap Trello board. You want free access? Go to recurringprofit.com slash automate. You'll also see it in the show notes. Go check it out. Hey, hey, it's Lisa. And I'm always excited about my podcast episodes and guests, right? But today I'm getting to interview someone who's been a friend in the industry for a few years. We've been, you know, just like in each other's lives, but more so in a business-related sense through group coaching programs that we were both part of in different aspects. And I was on her podcast earlier this year, and now she's been on mine. And this conversation is pretty incredible. We talk about everything from friendship and relationships and how to, you know, really cultivate them, mom life and the different phases that that goes through, as well as business and all the different pivots and shifts. Megan and I have both been in the online industry for, you know, 10 plus years, and we dove a little bit deep into a lot of the ins and outs of what we've experienced and kind of where it's led us to who we are today. You're going to love Megan Huber too. Um, So let me introduce her real quick and then let's get into it. Megan is a client retention and group program leadership specialist. She transforms coaches, consultants, experts, and their teams into world-class group program facilitators who design and deliver unforgettable experiences so that their clients remain satisfied, get incredible results, and keep coming back for more. Megan combines her years of service in public education, athletic coaching, group program leadership, entrepreneurship, and her ability to create sustainability and scalability through the right structure and leverage as a way to empower business owners to remove themselves from the day-to-day, delivering their group programs while clients still implement and get great results. In addition to spending four years as the director of programs and client success inside a coaching company with a group enrollment as large as 300 clients, she has run over 30 iterations of her own group programs and has led nearly 20 in-person and virtual retreats. Hosting the Built to Last podcast and leading the Tribe of Legends Facebook group are two of her favorite ways to connect with high-performance entrepreneurs who choose to become her standout clients and transformational leaders inside their own best-in-class group programs. Let's go meet Megan, and you can hear all the girl talk that we shared. You'll also notice that this is one of my longer episodes, which is not something I typically do, but our conversation just kept going and getting more juicy and incredible and awesome, and I just love catching up with Megan. So. Let's go meet Megan. 
All right, Megan, we get to chat again. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's gonna be it's think, gonna be a good one. I think the last time we talked was when I was on your podcast in the beginning of the year. That's right. So it like was eight, nine months ago. Nine months ago. And I feel like we're different human beings. Totally. Today. This is gonna be so good. I've missed yeah. you. <laughs> I know. I know. We gotta do it more often. I know. We can't just get together for podcast interviews. No, we can't. No, <laughs> no we have to connect more often. You yeah. Know, you know, I want to say something about that because I'm actually taking a mindset class, like a mindset course right now. It's um, it's like two phases. Part one is six weeks and part two is seven or eight, whatever adds up to 14 weeks, it's like 14 weeks. And I'm on week five. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I joined is to work on relationships. And, you know, like the first, I'd say like three weeks of the program, other things have come up for me naturally, Mm -hmm. but the first three weeks of the program, when I was um, like posting inside of the Facebook group and the work that I was doing, like the exercises that I was practicing on my own in between classes, it was like, what was coming up for me was a, uh, the feeling of like a deep sadness that has been in my life. I mean, I'm 40 for people listening. I'm 40 years old and 25. (laughs) Um, things really shifted for me in the female friendship, like girlfriend category after college, I was in a sorority. And, um, when you're like built in friends and then that goes away and you, you become an adult and you get a job and you get married and you have kids and you move, you know, we've moved a couple of times. And I just sort of let like girlfriends, I mean, like real girlfriends where we're like chatting, we're like texting, we're like planning trips together and getting together and just like supporting each other. It's really not been there for me. And, um, I was like process, like literally just sitting with my emotions one day. Cause that was one of the activities. And it, I'll tell you, it took me like 30 minutes of just sitting there to even reach the feeling of sadness. And it wasn't the sadness of being alone or loneliness. Cause I don't feel that way. It was a sadness of not having those girls, those girlfriends and those friendships. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. So, so I'm interesting so that glad. you said that comment. Well, I'm glad to hear this update because I've known you for a few years. I don't know the exact number, but it's been quite a few years. I think Probably like five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So five years and Last year, I think we had a conversation kind of about this, like, how do we get friends or find friends as adults, but so specific to like our, you know, we work from home, we're entrepreneurs, we're building a business, we're in this like, you know, late 30s, you 40 now, but like this age with kids, like there's a specific kind of friend you need in this kind of with this kind of a life. So I'm so happy that this yeah. is something that you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I've also learned too, you know, you and I both, and I don't know what your like girlfriend situation looks like. Um, but you know, there's, uh, you know, if, if, if each of us like observes our life, there are pockets of our lives where we are really successful. Like I would say, you know, as much as I know about you, like you and I have like extremely successful marriages, mm-hmm. we have extremely su- successful households. We have extremely successful, like strong family unit, like underneath our roof with our children, my one child and like our spouse. 
And, you know, we've had success in like other areas. And for me, this area of girlfriends, I would, I would literally probably score myself on a scale of one to 10, like a one or a two, but I would score myself much higher in other categories. And what I've really learned is that two big things. Number one, I had to become a friend to myself. Yeah. And, you know, being in a mindset program where it's like, you're coming in to do the freaking work. So I'm doing the work and a lot of it is observing your thoughts. And I, I, so many of us are not aware of this, but the tape that's playing in our mind is we, we are judging ourselves so much. Oh yeah. Beating ourselves up. We're not even being a friend to ourselves. So that that's one big takeaway that I learned. And then the other thing too, it's like how much effort has gone into the relationship with our spouse. And how much effort are we putting into the relationship with our kids? I think you've got three girls. Yep. I've got a daughter, right? So we put a lot of effort into that. And we put a lot of effort into making money in our business. And Mm -hmm. I had not put effort in building real genuine friendships where it's like you're, you're checking in on someone and Mm -hmm. you're saying like, Hey, we haven't talked in a while. Let's just get on the phone and catch up. And to your point, when you're a business owner working from home and everything is about Zoom calls, where I have found it like a challenge, and maybe this is just a wall I built myself, it's like, you know, it's almost like the only way we're even having conversations with each other is if we're doing business together or Mm -hmm. we're interviewing each other for a podcast or you're in a program together, Yeah, but we're not actually building real friendships. Right. And that has what has kind of eaten away at me because I'm like, well, I thought I had friends when I was in like programs with people or even some of my clients would become friends, mm-hmm. but then that goes away. And it's like, were we never friends? Right. And then you're back to square one. Uh, I think I would rate myself in the friendship zone, probably like a six or a seven. And it's because I have some really good friends. I mean, I have a friend from kindergarten that I still check in with once in a while. I have some really solid, like best friends from high school, middle school, actually middle school and throughout high school. Um, two in particular that we're still like pretty tight. And we have a text group very recently, like we're, where I'm like, we just need to know what we're up to in our regular lives because we're so busy that like, if we don't catch up, regularly, like our meetups are going to be just a bit of (laughs) here's what I've been doing for the past six months, which is really sad. But I say a six or a seven, because even though life gets busy and yes, we can like just catch up and pick up where we left off, which is amazing. And that's why I really love my friends because there's no expectations and there's no shame around, well, you didn't call me for two months. Like, where have you been? It's just like, we know things are going on and we're always here for each other. But I wish that we could take that out of the picture and just still make the intentional time to be mm-hmm. together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll share a resource. So I'll share a resource. If you want to put it in the show notes, put it in the yeah. show notes. Somebody else shared this with me. You know, Ed Milet, right? No. Ed Milet. Okay. He's got a podcast called the Ed Milet show. Okay. Um, his last name is M-Y-L-E-T-T. So he's got a super very, very well-known podcast. And it was actually somebody in the um, mindset program that I'm in. It's interesting. All of there's 24 of us were all women. And this, um, you know, not everybody 
was struggling with girlfriend friendships, but there were many of us who were. And so she sent me a message one day and she goes, there's this really awesome episode on the Ed Milet show. She goes, I listen to a show like every day when I'm running and he interviewed um, someone about friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think she's got a, I don't know exactly what her PhD is in, but she's doctor, you know, doctor is her, you know, lead what it's at the front of her name. Title. Yes. Title. Her title is doctor, but she's not a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. So I think she's like a doctor of psychology or something. And right. I don't remember her name for the life of me, but it's a very recent episode, but they have an entire conversation about friendships, but her whole career has been on researching friendships. Wow. It was a fascinating conversation to listen to. So if anybody is, you know, down with what we're talking about here, that would be a good episode to go listen to about friendships. Yeah, I definitely will. Ed Milet. Okay. Yeah. So fun. Well, yes, let's catch up more often, Megan, because you are incredible and I want to be your friend. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, some business history because you've done some really amazing things in your entrepreneurial career and have also shifted a few times. So what, how did you even get started? First of all, like, I always like to have this conversation because I feel like I was introduced to this online world of business in 2008. And it just was like, I'm not leaving this place. Like it's, you know, I love it here and I never knew about it before. So how did you wind up here? First of all, I had no idea that you got introduced to it in 2008. Yeah. I'm surprised because that was like, not that this industry started in 2008, but it was still in its, I mean, it's still right. in its infancy today, but like, it was a different ball game back then. Totally. Very different. I, wow. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. So I came a few years after you, um, my background is in public education. So I was a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I uh, taught at the high school I graduated from in a very small town in in rural North Carolina. There were two thousand people in my town when I grew up there. And um, there my mom people in my high school. <laughs> oh gosh, there were like seven hundred and fifty in mine, if that. And oddly enough, my mom was also an educator, and our classrooms were next door to each other oh when gosh, I was fun. a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, I was a teacher in my twenties until Sean and I had Brighton who just turned 12 in September. So when I was pregnant with her, I was 27 years old. I was in my fifth year teaching in the classroom. And I was also teaching for North Carolina virtual public schools. So I literally had two jobs Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't really know what came over me at the time because it's certainly not the direction that my parents steered me to go in. It's certainly not the example or the model that I saw, but there was something in me and it it wasn't like my husband was talking to me about doing this either, but I just remember thinking I'm work 70 hours a week at this school because I was also the football athletic trainer. I was a women's Mm. tennis coach. I was coordinating lots of things. And so I worked a lot Yeah, (laughs) and I was good. I was good at what I did as a very, very good educator and highly involved. And I just remember thinking when I was pregnant, I was like, how on earth am I going to still be as good as I am right now and be the kind of mom that I want to be now, 12 years later, looking back on that, 
that was a limiting belief that I couldn't be great at both. However, it did lead me to making the decision to leave the classroom because the other part of my decision was I didn't want to put her in daycare. Yeah. Because I was like, why do I want somebody else to raise the kid that I decided to have? And um, so I came home, but my intention and my thought in my mind was never stay at home mom. That was like never on the radar. That being said, I didn't have a plan either. Like I had no financial plan, nothing. And so I'm home and I hated it. Mm. I despised it. Sean works as a personal trainer six days a week, 12 hours a day or more. And he was a super successful personal trainer. And I was home by myself. My mom was still working. My dad was working. All my friends were working. And here I am by myself with an infant that does nothing except feed, (laughs) sleep, and poop. Yeah. And I thought I was going to go bananas. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I kind of did lose it a little bit. And so that's when I started. I was like, I have to do something. I have to do something. And so I got into network marketing because, and it was with Shackley, the company Shackley, because um, Sean had uh, a husband and wife clients. They were in their sixties, but they were like the top of the food chain in Shackley Mm. and they lived down the street. And I was like, well, it's a built-in business. I have mentors locked in. Like I'll do that. So I did that for about a year. And there was a moment in time when I was doing that, where I realized if, if, if I actually wanted to be successful in network marketing, I needed to become a really great leader of leaders. And that's when I decided to get a coaching certification. It was for that reason. So how did you know about coaching? My husband was already certified. So Sean already had a coaching certification. He knew about it. He was integrating coaching into his personal training Uh, And he also is the one that suggested, I keep like pointing over there because there's a door right there and he's on the other side of the door. Um, He suggested because I was in a funk. I mean, I wasn't Mm -hmm. just in a funk the first three months of being a mom. I was in a funk for the first three years. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I think this, this would be really good for your own personal development. There was no thoughts in my mind. I didn't even know this like coaching industry existed. Didn't know it existed. And so I'm in the program and it was intense. It was like five months long. There was a whole practicum section. I was the only person in the program that didn't already have coaching experience or therapy, counselor, Mm -hmm. psychology experience. And so that was also very confronting for me, you know, another limiting belief. And so when I was done with it, I was like, it was sort of like a eureka moment. I was like, This is the closest thing to teaching, which in my mind at the time was the closest thing to what I was best at. Yeah. Because what I was best at was teaching. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start a business. And so I did the whole, like build a website, do all the local networking. I figured out real fast that the people making the money at networking events were the ones speaking. So I spoke anywhere and everywhere I could go. This is 2012. And that's how I got started. I was doing one-on-one coaching for like 200 bucks a month, four sessions. A lot of it was in person because I was getting in-person like local clients. Mm -hmm. I was selling six-week online courses for 167 bucks. 
I was doing half day workshops for $67. I was, um, I partnered with a friend of mine who still I partner with for some things today, all these years later, we started a 10 person in, in person group coaching program for 97 bucks a month. And we ran it inside the lobby of a hotel. Literally, we just like showed up, shuffled some chairs around, set in a circle. And like, that's how we ran our group program. And it was with a partner. So we had to split that. Yeah, that was how I got started. I I don't think I've ever known the full story. I love how you were able to kind of match together, like teaching and coaching. I don't know about you, but because like I've been in this world for so long, the word coach really kind of like irks me in weird ways because it's totally changed, especially recently where it's like, this is not how it used to be. Like what happened to the coaching part? But I was a cheer coach back in Mm -hmm. right after high school. And I feel like that's really what you're doing, especially if you were a good teacher, you were coaching children. You were like a mentor for them to not only learn the subject that you were teaching, but to just like, to like be a good student, a good person. And it just leads to so much more. And I feel like you've probably always been a coach because of, of that. Like it is teaching and leading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I was a tennis coach too. Oh yeah. Of like teenagers. So, you know, when you work with high school kids and I've never taught elementary or middle school age, so maybe it's the same there with high school kids. They're, they're in this place in their lives where they're like coming into their own and Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, sorting out all their emotions and they are going through puberty. A lot of them start in high school or they're in the middle of that in high school. And they're just learning how to deal with a lot of issues with friends and what's going on at home and sports and grades and all these things. And I just remember, I mean, I love teaching. I have such a heart for high school age kids. You, when you're a high school teacher, like the best teachers, you are playing so many roles. You are playing the role of a friend, facilitator, teacher, coach, guide, And when it comes to like coaching, especially groups of people, if you're not coaching people one-on-one anymore, you've got to be all five of those things in order for people to stick with you, to stay with Mm -hmm. you, to get results with you. And I think that was a connection that I remember making back then because the kind of teacher I was, I was playing all of those roles because I knew I could get the best out of my students that way. So it was really similar for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I coached all ages. I've coached high school, junior high, and or middle school and elementary. I yeah. love elementary because they're cute and small and anything they do is just adorable um, and like exciting, right? There's like just a, an aura to little kids. High school too, I feel like they're old enough. They're moldable. They're, they're seeking that adult because even if they have the best parents in the world, they are like, my mom and dad don't know anything. That's what I'm dealing with now with two teenagers. I'm like, yeah, it happened. I'm the cool mom. Like, I love you. <laughs> but with other kids, they're going to look at you very differently. Junior high, that's like a moody, rude age group. They're not my favorites. Yeah. Well, my we've got a sixth grader who's 12. So I will get to learn all of that as a mom. Okay. 
in the next couple of years, I have a, yeah. have a feeling. Now, see, you're going to want to call me because I thought I was like the coolest mom, best mom. I got it all together. And I, my girls are great, but they are at an age where it's like, I want to be with my friends. They're better. They're cooler. They're whatever. And I'm feeling like really sad. (laughs) So I'm having a hard time too already. I mean, Brighton's an only child, you know, it's, I think it might be different when they have siblings, when they're an only child you know, not that it's like different, but like she's done everything with us because she doesn't have siblings. Mm. She, so she, we're the entertainers. Mm-hmm. We're the entertain. We're the play friends. We're the play group. Like we're all the things. And I know I'm going to have a really hard time. And I'm just like you. I think I'm a cool mom an awesome yeah. mom. I'm the best snuggler. You should want to be around me. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is going to change. Yeah. I know it's going to change. And I am not ready for it. I, it's not the, it's not the most fun. And I feel like what keeps me going is number one, like I'm still the mom. So I do have to give that unconditional love. Let her know I'm there knowing that she's going to circle back around. Um, But it's an interesting phase to go through for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the relationship changes. Yeah. It changes. And as moms, like we're not ready for that change, but they Uh are. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so sleepy. <sighs> well, I like, so after you figured out the coaching thing, I know that you have again, grown a successful business. You also did. Um, okay. You're going to have to like pull the pieces together. Cause you did a lot of group leadership things and then you went to like a different business model and now you're yeah. back to group program. Yes. Yeah. So like the, a really unique part of my, I'm going to use the word upbringing because it kind of is like an upbringing in this entrepreneurial world mm-hmm. and this online coaching world. I just told this story, like right before we got on to re, to uh, chat about this, I was in a conversation with a potential client and their director of programs about doing some consulting work together. And so she was like, I want you to share like the whole story and like why you do what you do today. And so part of that story is when I had my own coaching business back in 2012. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of the time. I guess I like sort of started like the end of 2011, all of 2012. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself towards the end of 2012, I was in coaching programs with business coaches, you know, I was like doing my thing, but there was just something in me that was like, but I want to see all of it. Like, I want to see how you actually run a multiple seven figure online coaching business Mm. because internally I didn't have any of the specifics, but I, that's the vision that I had for myself. And I was like, I'm not going to get that just being in somebody's group coaching program with a bunch of other people who are brand new. And I remember like thinking about it, praying for it. The word I was using with myself was I want a mentor that would take me under their wing and show me everything. Mm. And so I did that for like three months. And then this video popped up on my Facebook newsfeed of a woman talking about passing the torch and bringing on an apprentice. And I was like, I have no idea who she is, but she is saying what I've been praying for and I'm going to apply. And I did, and I got it. And so then I still had my own business and there was no money exchange. So I wasn't getting paid to be an apprentice. I wasn't paying to be an apprentice, 
But this person already had a seven figure coaching business. She had been around since like 2005 or six or something. And her next iteration of her company was a extremely large scale group program that was part certifying people in her coaching style and mm-hmm. part helping people build a six figure business. And it was all in one. And she knew she wanted like 200 people in the program, but that's a massive undertaking. So we spent nine months as an apprentice group building that whole thing out before it was ever launched. And so I got to do that and we launched it and 200 plus people joined and she was like, well, now I need people to run it. And so she offered me and one other apprentice, a part-time position. I was certification director. This was at the end of 2013 By the time we got a few months into 2014, I ended up taking on a permanent full-time role where I was running that program, our next level mastermind programs that had like a hundred people in it. And then we created this online version of the program. So by the end, I was running like four large scale group programs. And I was like the director of um, like client success, client experience. I hired my own team. I ran my own team. And that went all the way until the end of 2016. And I left that company at the end of 2016, went back into rebooting my own business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not many of us out here in the internet streets. Um, I mean, you're one of them because you did some behind the scenes work for some, a big name coach. There's not many of us, Lisa, that have had that experience where we've gotten to play some kind of very significant role in these extremely successful businesses, but with business owners that have been doing it for a long time. Like we're talking like decade plus or multiple decades. Like you and I are in this like very small pool of people who had that opportunity and it has a it has like a positive side and it has a shadow side, but it literally has been the absolute best experience that I have had in my career. And it is a hundred percent why I am where I am today in this industry. hundred percent. Yeah, I completely agree. I always say journey, like this has been my journey, but upbringing is such a great word because we really are being raised sometimes by these uh, opportunities that we're involved in and the people that we're learning from and growing with. So that's such a great word. Yeah. I had never, I've never used that word until today. And I think it's because we were talking about our kids and being moms, (laughs) but it is, I mean, so one, one of my, um, former clients, she does not live in, I live in Florida. She doesn't live in Florida, but her father was ill And so she came down to Florida and ended up being here for three months. He ended up passing away. Mm -hmm. We found out we were like 20 minutes away from each other. And I'm like, we got to get together. This was over the summertime. And so we got together and she reminded me, she's had a business for like 25 years. And she reminded me, she goes, Megan, like you grew up as an entrepreneur in the coaching industry. It's like the only thing, you know, in terms of like business, like I, I wasn't in corporate. I wasn't, I have not started and run like five other businesses and five other industries. And again, I just think it's so special. You know, sometimes I think we take our upbringing for granted because of course there are things we did not like about the places that we have been. And there's things that we wish would have been done differently. And it is what it is. But 
I just think the experience that we've gotten behind the scenes of these companies with these people who really turned into mentors. They weren't our coach. We were not like paying them to coach us. We were literally sitting by their sides as their right arm building this massive thing. And I just think that is such a special experience that I constantly remind myself of, even though like sometimes it wasn't fun. Like sometimes it was not enjoyable, right? but it was so special. I agree hundred percent. I've never worked corporate either. I always say I've never had a real job ever. Yeah. I started in what I didn't know it was entrepreneurship, but like as a contractor three days after my high school graduation. So I've known nothing else. And that wow, was, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. 2003. I started with events. Wait, you graduated I, high school in 2003. Yeah. Okay. I graduated in 2000. Yeah. 2003. I got like a job secured in my senior year through um, the career day we had at school started three days after, and that's, it was with events. So I was planning events. And then that's when I found the online space, like the online coaching world through getting our first event client, uh, who was a coach, um, in 2008. And yeah, like totally changed my world, but I've never done. So I hear about corporate because my husband's in it and I'm like, I am so thankful that I never had to go that route because I don't think it would be for me. And I think it's an interesting, um, like just everything you were saying right now, do you know your Enneagram number or? I think I'm a three wing four. Okay. I'm a two for sure. I always forget my wing, but it's like the helper. So I'm any personality test I take, I'm always ready to like serve other people, support other people. And I struggle with it because there's also this side of me that's like a leader and I, I want to guide and, and, and lead people like period. But I'm like a quiet leader. I'm not going to be in your face about here I am. Here's like everything I do. I, I want people to like, I don't know. I can't, it's like a whole different conversation, but I, I feel like I, it helped me. And it also was a big struggle for me because I have a hard time sometimes like saying, no, like I'm not, I'm going to like go do something else now. And I want to stay and help everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I'm kind of being like a elusive about some stuff, but <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. So I'm like, I'm the coordinator. You're okay. the helper. I'm the coordinator. So on any like personality mm-hmm. test, I am either like, I'm always, you know, they call it different things, but like right. the disc, yeah. I'm the coordinator. Okay. Um, I guess in Enneagram, I'm like kind of the achiever. Or in some things I'll be like the sage, but that's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. And then like I get into human design and that's like a whole nother thing, but I love learning about myself because I feel like it helps me to show up the way that I meant to and like really hold those boundaries in place, even though it might feel like I'm letting somebody down. I'm really Mm -hmm. not. I just Mm -hmm. need to go down a different path and Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship has definitely taken me down different paths, but every single one has been amazing. Yeah. I I mean, look, you've been in business a really long time. I've been in this game now for 10 years. You know, if I say like, I really got my start in the coaching industry in January of 2012, I think it was. 
So 10 years, you've been doing it even longer. Like, look, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that things are going to change. Yeah. I mean, nothing is going to stay the same. It just is. I mean, I was sharing with you earlier, which, you know, I'm not the first person who's ever done this where I was like, and yeah, I basically pivoted my whole entire business in the last 18 months. It's going to happen. And that's normal. And, you know, I think a lot of people fight that and resist that because there is also this part of us that wants to hang on to the way that it has been and the way that has worked. But like, you can feel this like internal, like almost like a cry internal or like a calling. Yeah. Um, and in the construct that you're in, everything starts to feel off, but it's challenging to be able to put your finger on like what it is and then what your next move is. And that's where I think people get really afraid and they're like, but I'm successful on paper over here. And this is where all the money is coming from. And then they do just get like really stuck in that way of operating. And then that's where you start to see like people deteriorate in terms of their health, their mood, their marriage, like everything else starts to really suffer, but it's like, but I'm making all this money. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> interesting to hear about everybody's like growth and evolution and how things change. Right. But I love this because I feel like sometimes people stay stuck because they think they're supposed to be there. Or like you said, the money is there and it can be scary. But even on the other side of all of these pivots and shifts that you and I have made over, you know, 10 plus years, we can stand here today and say like, we're still successful and we're becoming even more successful because we're developing these different areas of our life, not just the the business and money side, but now we're looking at what friendships, family, ourselves, and it's all such an important part of our success that pe- people forget about, or they are just kind of oblivious to because we're so geared towards, am I making enough money for what? Like, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, like I've never seen people talk so much about money in my life than in the coaching online coaching space. Yep. Now I'm not involved with all sorts of other industries. So maybe it's the same across the board. I have no idea. I'm sure if you're in the financial industry, like that's all you talk about too. But I mean, I just remember like being a teacher and doing my thing. And the only conversation we ever had about money is I I need to pay my credit card and gosh, you know, it's, you're just like trying to figure out how to live off 2000 bucks a month that you're getting paid as a teacher. But there was like never really conversation about how to make more. Mm -hmm. And there was never this, I mean, at least I don't remember like connecting my value and worth to the amount of money I was making. And then you come out into the big, bad world of entrepreneurship. And then especially in the online coaching industry, it's like, you can't, you can't look at your phone or your desktop and hop on social media and not see somebody posting about, you can make more money and it can be this much. And dare I say like 95% of what I see on social media is about you can make more money and you can have all these things with all this money. And that really gets to you. And that's something that really has, I mean, it, I'll be really honest. It has bothered me so much for the last six years. And I, I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it in about 18 months is sharing about how much money I was making because it was like, 
but you have to share how much money you're making so that your audience will see that you're like worthy of them hiring you. And it's like only hire people if they've like created the amount of money that you want to create. And every single time I would make a post or include on a sales page or put in an email, a statistic about how much money I had made, I literally wanted to like throw up Mm. because I'm like, why? Like, why is everything about this money? And then then what happens like to what you're like your point that you just said, it's what made me share this in our minds. We think our big problem is money. Yeah. And w- the way we say it is I'm not making enough. I want to make more. And so then our whole entire focus just becomes on literally, if you take a step back and this is what I did, I was like, holy cow, like my whole life revolves around this idea of how do I make more money? everything. It literally was taking up all of my brain space and all of my thoughts and everything. And I was thinking about it when I was like in the bedroom and I'm thinking about it when I'm tucking my daughter in and I'm thinking about it on a Saturday. And it's like, what on earth is going on? And so everybody thinks the problem they need to solve is their money problem. When actually it's what you just said. It's like, actually solve the relationship you have with yourself. Actually go solve this girlfriend thing over here. Actually, like go change this over here. Like go work on this over here. By default, you're going to become the person who makes more money. And I just think we've been trying to solve the wrong problem for way too long. For sure. And it's so hard because then we can get into like the marketing side of things because that's kind of what we think works so much for people that we have to talk about the money because we think other people are, that's what they're looking for. But I feel like there's other ways to go about marketing it and showcasing, like letting, I like to share a lot of my personal life and adventures and things like that, because I feel like that is more telling of the success because I'm showing up as a happy person who's doing really cool things that are important to me. And giving other people, hopefully, that permission slip, like you can have this too. Let's identify what it means to you, strategize some action and make it work for you. But it's like, I don't know. I just, yeah, that's a hard part for me too in this world in general. And I, I wonder, knowing like both of us have a really strong faith, if any of that plays a role here too, is like we're trying to change the way that business is talked about and marketed because we have such like a stronger foundation that we're coming from, which I think makes, makes business better. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, defeated, but <laughs> well, I think that internally, like we grapple with that, mm-hmm. right? Like, at least that's my experience. It's like this internal battle. And I yeah. think it boils down to like morals and ethics to oh, a degree. Yeah. Um, But I'll I'll tell you this piece of information Um, because we're talking about money in the industry and like talking about money and marketing. So the other thing that this is like, I hope this is really interesting to the listeners too. You know, something that I've been really paying attention to, maybe you have too. It's like, there was like this all-time high um, for people in terms of making money really all through the last decade, like all the way up until like through 2020, mm-hmm. we were in an economic high. We were coming off a recession. Everybody's got excess money. 
everybody's like spending, spending, spending. And then 2020 happens. Everybody's at home. Lots of things are closed. It was like a may, it was like a heyday for online businesses because you could make a pile of money in 2020 if you had an online business and not just in the coaching industry, but like any online business because everybody's sitting at home and they have all this extra money. We're getting stimulus checks, like all the things. And then 2021 and now 2022 happens and it's not the same as it was. And now we have inflation and now we have a recession and now people don't have as much excess money. People are still buying, they're still spending, but they're buying differently. Yeah. So that's something I've really been looking at. So that's like part one. And part two of this is, and I'm sure you've had a lot of these conversations with people where they're just, they've gotten to this place in their business where, and they're using the words like I'm exhausted and I'm, and I'm burned out. I don't want to make all this money. I said I did. I don't want to build this empire of a business. Like I thought I did. I don't want to have this big team. And then people are starting to like really pull back and they're not making as much money. And they're just like, I'm happy with, with where I am. And then the third part of this conversation I've been hearing for the last couple of years is a lot of people have a really bad taste in their mouth about the coaching industry right now. And I think part of it has to do with this conversation around money and making money promises. Like you're going to come into my program. You're going to pay me. You're going to pay me X dollars. I'm going to promise you, you're going to, you're going to come out on the other side, making this amount of money and everybody's making money promises. And over the last 10 years, and I'd, I'd say really the last five years, five to seven years where people have purchased so many programs and they've spent so much of their dollars on trying to crack the code on making more money. And it hasn't happened that they're now like so put off by the industry. So that set the stage for what I'm about to say, which is I was one of those people who also kind of had a similar experience of like, there's some burnout here. There's some health issues here. I don't want to do it the way that I've been doing it, but I wasn't quite sure on what the next thing was. One of the things I did is not everything, but one of the things I did was I partnered with a business partner to create like one standalone program together. And what we have ended up creating is sort of like a reinvented version of a mastermind, Mm. which is what we think people really want. And it's for people that have been doing this for a longer time who are already at like six and multiple six figures, like in that whole world, like above a hundred, but below a million. And so I'm sharing that because this particular demographic that already has made money and they already know how to make money, but they're not like making $10 million a year. I've been talking to a lot of them. And one of the questions that I'm asking them is what would you like the promise to be for this type of thing that we're building? The very first thing that comes out of every single one of their mouths is don't make us a money promise. Mm -hmm. We will roll our eyes. We will not join. Because that's, it's not about that anymore. And they're like, we know we're going to make money. You don't need to promise us that because those promises have been so empty for the last five to seven years. So it's very interesting. You know, part of why I wanted to share that is I'm sure there's like a vast audience listening at all different levels, but 
do people like, does your audience and who you're targeting to be your client, like, do they really want a money promise? Yeah. Or do we just think people need to hear a money promise in order to buy from us? Or are we just listening to the business coach telling us you have to have a money promise or no one's going to buy? Because I've had business coaches tell me that. I'm not saying they're wrong for that, but I have been told actually by almost every business coach I've ever worked with, honestly, you have to make a money promise if your client is a business owner. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that may have been true a few years ago, but, but culture and society and psychology has shifted so drastically. And I think the industry is really shifting that, you know, we all really need to be asking ourselves and asking our target audience is, do you even want a money promise? Do we even need to talk about the money conversation right. or are you looking for something else now? And you just know that, you know, that, you know, regardless, like you're bound to make more money. So it's, it's interesting. It's just very interesting. It really is. It's like, yeah, it's fascinating to hear that perspective from that demographic uh, specifically, but it also just, I think allows us to say, yeah, like we don't have to make a money promise and we can still be successful. Yeah. 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 Oh, this was so good. I could talk to you, I think for five more hours. I know. Um, I just looked at the clock and I'm like, yeah, we've been talking for like 45 minutes now. I know. But we could like keep going. So good. I feel like it's just so helpful. And at any stage, I think this is helpful to, to the listeners. Um, where's the best way to connect with you? I would say social media. So, you know, Instagram, I'm Megan J. Huber over there. I think it's Megan J. Huber. Okay. We'll Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is Megan J. Huber. Those are the two places that I'm going to be the most. Follow me there. Send me a direct message over there. I'm yeah. nice. I'm kind. I'll chat. Megan's it's really best. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to tell people that too when I like reach out and connect. I'm like, it's really Lisa, not a bot, not a team member. It's no, me. I don't do bots. I, I do not do bots. <laughs> and there's no team member messaging on my behalf. So yeah. it's me. Love it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Megan. It was yeah. She was always. Yeah. You too. Good all combo. Right, we'll see you all next time. All right. Before you sneak off, let me ask you something. Are you tired of the revenue roller coaster? Are you looking for ways to sell a course or membership on autopilot? I thought you might be. That's why I partnered with Haley Burkhead, CEO of Recurring Profit, to sponsor this episode. I get it. You hear about the idea of recurring revenue, but maybe you aren't quite sure where to start. The key to making this work is plugging into a proven system that doesn't require your full attention day after day. Haley has created a free training to teach you her A to Z roadmap for how to create an automated revenue stream that generates consistent 10K plus months. You can even customize this training based on whether you already have a course or membership or if you just have an idea for one. Either way, you can get free access right now. Go to recurringprofit.com slash automate. If you are... Excited about this, I hope you also know that as a Created For More listener, when you sign up for the free training using our link, you'll also get access to her Trello board, which maps out the entire Recurring Profit roadmap. So go now, head over to recurringprofit.com automate, or click the link from the show notes and have fun making your own recurring revenue profit.